You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Rob, this this is, you know, you don't have to be a, a fan of sports. How about a fan of just uh, uh, someone Perseverance? who faced adversity to the utmost? What, he was like 40 when he One of the best back? tennis players of all time. He came, he made a comeback where he talks about, you yeah, know, they made a 30 he was for 30 injured. He never should have been in the U.S. Open. And it is shocking to see what he does in that U.S. Open. It is one of the most memorable matches. Even if you don't like tennis, this story is incredible. I mean, the first match, people turned off the TV. He was playing um, uh, Pat McEnroe, John McEnroe's brother, and they turned it off because Pat McEnroe was up like two sets to none, and Jimmy came back, and then people at 3 in the morning, there was almost no one there, and beat him to advance. And then the story gets even crazier. His mom was his idol. His mom and grandmother taught him how to play tennis. He has anger issues. He's one of the most amazing. Yeah, he was the well, he was one of the original bad boys oh, in tennis. Oh, yeah. He was the bad boy before, Jimmy, uh, before John McEnroe, yep. for sure. This is one of my favorite interviews. Listen to it. Learn. Uh, you're going to enjoy this. Al Goff, creator of Smallville, he always says, Jimmy Connors is my favorite. He walked hey, in there. You had no idea who he was. I mean, you knew who he was, but you, you didn't know him. And uh, he loved the interview. So check this out. And uh, let's get inside Jimmy Connors. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. First of all, I'm here with uh, tennis great Jimmy Connors, my favorite of all time. You are. You are. Thank you. That's pretty cool. And this is the first time I'm nervous. You could probably hear it in my voice I a can. little bit. Can just, you? Just a little. Just a little, Fuck. but it's good. Really, Jimmy? <laughs> you can't hear it. No, no. I fake it pretty no, well. No, you're good. You're good. Honestly, arguably the best tennis player who ever lived and is still alive. And you look great. Well, you know, keeping up with things now is important, you know. And uh, you know, I live by one word, Michael. It's What's called that? discipline. You know, and, and the older I've gotten since I've gotten away from tennis and all that, I still got to live by that a, a little bit along the way. So getting up and doing things and taking care of myself and, and uh, you know, trying to stay a bit healthy. You know, I've done enough damage over the years. Wait a minute. You're telling me there was a time when you weren't disciplined? I can't No, I can't no, always. That. Uh, always, always. yeah, and and that and that's the word I still live by. So I I still have to you know from my own head, right? You know, get up and do something. So you have any OCD? Oh, terrible. Yeah, me too. Terrible not like not the, not not like the lines, like walking over lines or cracks. Not that bad. Uh, I was I was pretty. I covered it up pretty bad when I pretty easily when I was playing because the the tennis you know and the adrenaline and everything kind of kept me out of it. But you know even now today, and I've been out of tennis you know almost 30 years, you know, I still have it, uh, you know, but, uh, but, you know, I kind of muffle it a little bit and, and get by, but, uh, what are, do you ever go to therapist or you'd never go to a therapist? No, I can't do that. You've never you been, know, to one. I, I've worked it, I kind of worked it out on my own. And, you know, it's interesting. My kids, you know, I have the thing with, with locking doors, locking locks and, and, really? and things. And, and, uh, so I'd get up and, and at night and I go lock all the doors and, and the windows and everything. And, and so I'd get in bed and, and the kids would come in when they were younger and they go, hey, dad, you, did you lock the doors? And boom, you know, right up again. I mean, it's just, you know, you, you, I can laugh about it. Right. You know, but it's a serious thing. Sure. It, it really is. It's a control it, thing. It is. And yeah. I think I have that too. I'm more of a control freak. I still, my, I've told this story before, but my, the difference with me was I think it was 
because my mother used to watch horror movies with me and make me watch them when I was eight. So I lock all the fucking doors constantly and I'm looking under my bed and all that stuff. So I get, I get that. But it's amazing. Like you're old school. By the way, you're not even old. You're not old oh, well, at all. Okay. I, I want to take Well, that. you're really not that old, as a especially now, today. I mean, no, that's people true. live till their 90s. I mean, you got at least 40 years. 30. I'll take it. Yeah, right? I'll take it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's funny how the reason why you're here, because I, I probably never would have got you here, but I met your daughter, Aubrey, mm-hmm. who's downstairs talking to my dog right now. And we met at a, at a Lakers game, and she was just awesome, and we laughed, and we hit it off. We just became friends, and right. I was just like, I'm doing this podcast, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you think your dad would ever? She's like, I don't know. Sure, I'll ask him. I was like, no fucking way. Jimmy Connors is not coming to my house on Laurel Canyon. I, I, I This is my first podcast, by the way. Really? Yeah, and, and to do it, when she asked me to do this, I say, when is it? And, and she told me, and... And I said I'm coming, and, and uh, but the, the deal is she's got to have dinner with me too. So oh, you know, so it's a good that's day. Awesome. It's a great day. I love that. And you know, to be honest with you, I mean, a lot of people will say no one knows a lot about tennis. Tennis is a sport where you have you know you have basketball. I think it's become bigger and bigger. And I and I think you have a reason. There was a reason for that. That was you in a lot of ways. The big comeback, which we'll talk about, and all that stuff, and just like your own persona, like this guy that was anti. Not to say you're not a gentleman, but like we've heard it ad nauseum. But you were the guy that was kind of saying, you know what? Screw you. I'll do what I want, and this is who I am, and I'm not straying away from that. Well, you know, you got to remember that was, you know, when I first started, you know, I was 15, 16 years old. I'm 65 now, and I'm happy about that. But, you know, so that's 50 years ago. And tennis was at a different time. Right. Uh, you know, tennis was, you know, kind of stuck at a, in a period of, uh, you know, not really going anywhere, and, and it had all the, you know, the pioneers that were, were trying to make tennis, uh, you know, improve it and become better and, and get it to more people. I happened to come around at a time when, when tennis became open, you know, which meant that the, the pros could play with the amateurs and everybody just play, you know, play together. Right. You know, my, my generation and my, you know, my crew, you, you know, and I, and I say that because it's all my guy, you know, the guys that, you know, Nastasi played with all of us and, and Borg and, and right. Bilas, we can go back and, you know, name them forever. But, but uh, the, the guys that I was lucky enough to play with all had, something on their own. And, and by that, I mean that, you know, not only did they have their own kind of tennis, but they had their own characters and their own personality and their own attitude, right. you know, which, which I think at the time was, was necessary. You know, general, uh, tennis was a gentleman's game. That time changed all of that. Uh, and, you know, sometimes for the better, sometimes not. I mean, certainly we crossed the line many, many times, sure. you know, but there were no rules then. Uh, you know, the tennis was trying to feel its way and we certainly were trying to feel our way and we just tried to feel each other and, 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 and we, we went astray. But on the other hand, you know, we had the, the, uh, the real tennis lovers and the tennis enthusiasts, they were going to come no matter what, right. but we, tennis wasn't going to grow unless we got the real sports fan, you know, the basketball, the baseball and the football and the soccer and the hockey and, you know, to, to come and watch guys running around in a pair of white shorts, play, you, know, <laughs> right. you, you know, hit a tennis ball. You know, something had to give, you know, to really bring those people in, the, the sports fans. So there was a strategy, you're saying, amongst it, your peers. It wasn't a strategy. It was all natural. So it was inadvertent. Yeah. I mean, there, there was no plan to, you know, we should do this and we got to do that. It, it was just that the guys at that time, you know, some of us were crazy. You know, a lot there. There wasn't country club guys. I mean, right. these guys coming out of the public parks and you know trying to you know uh, make something of their life and have an opportunity to 
you know, go to college or, or, or even beyond college, become a pro and become the best in the world and travel the world and, and meet people and different cultures and, you know, really improve their lives. And, and you know, that was me, you know, coming from a little town in, in, uh, in Illinois, East St. Louis, Illinois. Are you a Cubs fan? Uh, I was a Cardinal fan. Uh, uh, right, right across the river. Did really. you ever listen to Harry Carey at all? Oh, yeah, of course. Harry Carey. Was he not there. the best? Hey, I'm sitting here with Jimmy Connors. I can't believe he came all the way over from uh, Santa Barbara uh, with his daughter, Aubrey, to hang out in my living room. You see, you talk you know, like you're old school, too. <laughs> see, you go back, you know, to, you know, to, to the greats of, of that day. Yeah. And, you know, you know, to turn on a, a game and have Harry Carey and Jack Buck the doing the, the play-by-play. You know, it's almost, you know, oh, really? You know, it's Harry Carey and Jack Buck, you know. But anybody else was, wow. You yeah. know, something special. And it was. It was specific. Well, take me back to that. East St. Louis, right? Right. Yeah. Belleville? Where? Well, I was born and raised in East St. Louis right. and lived there for 11, 12 years. And then we moved to Belleville, which is uh, literally two miles away. Two, well, what was childhood away. like? I mean, for, for young Jimmy Connors. Now, I always read about like your mother, Gloria, mm-hmm. and your grandma, but I never hear about your father or anything. I, don't, I, I, I couldn't even find anything. Is there something you don't talk about? No, no, no. Uh, you know, my mom and grandma were, were the picture because they taught me the tennis. Uh, they gave me, you know, this life that I have today and the life that I have when I was traveling and playing. My dad was, you know, my dad, uh, you know, he took care of, uh, you know, the, the duties and, you know, he, he did the work and he came home. He wasn't into the tennis. Tennis wasn't his thing. He, uh, he did other things and, you know, he was a golfer and, and uh, you know, lived his life. But, you know, the, the tennis, once I got into the tennis – you know, that became my mom and my grandma's life, you know, but, but you, know, you have to remember, Michael, that back then, you know, there, what was the plan for me at seven That's years? That's what old? my dad said with acting. What the hell's the plan? Right. What are you going to do? How are you going to make money? There was no plan because there was no money, right. you know, back then. So, you know, the, the idea was to, to give us something to get us off the streets, right? you know, and to, to let us work at something and to try to be good at something. Maybe we'll get an education out of it you know, and, and go to college because, you know, and, and as I've learned over, you know, these many, many years, I can walk in any place with a tennis racket and be welcome. Right. You know, not, not because I'm Jimmy Connors, but because I have a tennis racket. Yeah. You know, you're going to meet people, people play tennis, they want a game, you know, if you got a good game, come on in, all of a sudden, you you know, you're, you're, you're part of the community. But your grandfather was a boxer. He was. Yeah. So you think yeah. that like, boxer, okay, policeman. so you're thinking, okay, you're going to be a cop. Jimmy's going to be a cop. He's going to be a. He's going to be a fighter. He's going to be like. What? Where was it that you know? What did you start doing? But where? I was a fighter. But I was just on the court. <laughs> you know that's true. You know that so. is true. But what? When did you pick up a racket? Whose idea was it to to even pick up a racket? Were you doing anything before that? Well, no. I, I started when I was like two or three years old. My mom gave me a racket because she uh, taught tennis. Uh, to supplement the income, and I was around, and my brother was around, so we kind of took to it. You know, when the lessons would come, if there was five minutes, we'd be out, you know, picking up the balls and, you know, trying to hit a few. Did you hate it? Did you hate, like, I don't want to do oh, this. No, I, don't I loved it. I took, so, to, I took to it right away. So if your mother was like, if Gloria said, hey, you don't want to do this, she, I mean, you, she would have been fine if you didn't do it. She was fine. You know, I, I had a, an absolute normal childhood. You know, it's always, you know, I could go with my buddies or I could run with my brother. You know, and if, if I got up one day and said, Mom, I'm, I'm not going to play tennis today. I want to go play basketball. You know, that was fine. But I always came back around to the tennis. You know, and, and, and I was lucky because I had a built-in pro. And you were playing with someone good. Right. Who knew what she was talking I mean, about. you're not going out there hitting a ball and you can't get one volley going. Right. 
and she was so good, Michael. And, and, and I hate to, you know, my mom, you know, she would blush, you know, because this wasn't her, you know, but she was so good at teaching. No, but bringing out, you know, the, and making it easy for, and no pressure, you know, a lot of people thought that my mom was a stage door uh, mother and, you know, was living through me. Sure, she was living through me. Of course she was. Just my mom, <laughs> you, you, you know. <laughs> right. You know, but the end, the end result was if I, if I didn't want to play tennis, she'd have been fine with that. Right. Fine with that. But I felt when I was young, you, you know, uh, before I was 12, 13 years old, that I was doing it because I could spend time with my grandma and my mom and, That's awesome. and do things. But when I got 12 or 13 years old, I started thinking, there's something to this. You know, and, and, and I remember saying one time to, to my mom, uh, I said, you know, she's, we were driving from, from, uh, from our home to St. Louis to, to play tennis. And I said, uh, she asked me something and, uh, about tennis. And I said, boy, wouldn't I, I'd love to be the best. You know, and and and, wow. she, and and she looked around and and said, "Really?" You know, and I said, "Yeah." Uh, you know, and you know, I didn't know what I was saying. You know, she never mentioned that another time, never ever mentioned it. But before she passed, she said, "Do you remember?" Wow, when, are you kidding? When she when when I said that as a kid, and and she says it didn't take any more work for you to become the best as it would if you just wanted to, to do it for, you know, for a college education. So for me, you know, the pressure and not, I never had that, you know, even playing the finals of Wimbledon or the U S open, you know, was never, you got to win, you know, this is what you, you never live. felt that. Not from her, not from her. You no. felt it within yourself. Oh like, yeah. You know, oh pressure. yeah. I have my own pressure. Sure. But that never any, isn't that something? Any because answer. that's all that's, you hear a lot of that with acting, you know, and in, in this industry, it's like, you know, the parents and you got to do this and bring him to set. I'm like, Oh my God, this industry is not for children. Right. And they push him and you got to do this and you got to do this because again, they're living vicariously through them or, you know, I didn't have that. I had the, the extreme opposite. You know, I was like, dad, I got three goals in that hockey game and we won. And my dad would be like, yeah, I was a weak goalie. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just wasn't like, oh, I was like, on, Dad, I got, I got a half a scholarship <laughs> offer from Miami of Ohio. He's like, Michael, come on, what's going to happen to you? What are you going to start with the fourth line, work your way up to the third line, work your way up? Uh, you're going to be battered. You're going to be this. You're not on. a big kid. You're a good player. But there's, you know what's funny is he was fucking right, Jimmy. Yeah, He was but, right, and I ended up not doing that. And I probably would have got the shit beat out of me. And in a hard lesson, like he. Yeah, but sometimes getting the shit beat out of you is pretty good. You I know, guess it because, is. Because you're doing what you love. Have you ever had the ship beat Oh, yeah. Really? I mean, the ship beat yeah. Way too many times. Like when you're an older, like when you're a man? Oh, no. Or no. just like when you were younger? And I gave all that up. You know, once, you know, like I told you, I did all my fighting on the court. My grandfather trained me like a boxer, you know, and, and I see all these kids in the gym today and all that, and, you know, they're getting strong and, and they can bench press 300 pounds and go through all that. And then I remember uh, seeing uh, in the training room at Wimbledon four or five years ago, and I see this, uh, one of the players, he was bench pressing 300 pounds. And I look, I go by and I was in, in shock. I was in awe. I said, you're really in the gym lifting that, that kind of weight. And, and, uh, and, and so he says, yeah, he says, I'm, you know, I'm strong, I'm strong. And I said, yeah. so I walked about 10 feet and I went back and I, I had to ask him, I said, yeah, how you doing in the tournament? And he says, well, I lost yesterday. You know, so, and, and the reason I, I say that is because all that in the gym, I always was under the, the impression that, that tennis muscles were long muscles. 
fast muscles, right? You know, not not uh, you know bulky and tight, and and you know, and so you know, let, there I go again. I'm old school. Uh, you no, know, but it's I'm, true. If I'm, you have bigger arms, I'm, you I'm old school training, and and you know, and and I like I like the football from those days, and I like the the basketball from those days, and the music from those days, and the acting from we those. We should days. hang out, Jimmy. And, and it's just uh, it's just me, yeah. you know. And and I came up. It's such a great time. You know, of, of uh, you know, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and Joe Montana and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and and Wayne Gretzky. And yeah. uh, please, Muhammad Ali. Can I keep going? Yeah. You, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. And 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 uh, back when when tennis, when I first got into tennis, that's who we were fighting for that little headline on the front page against. You know, Ali yeah. Ali knocks out Frazier, you know, or, or or whatever. That's that's the headline. So that's where the fire started, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, you saw you, Muhammad kicking some ass. Oh like, yeah, you know, how about uh, that? How about right? going to see those? Oh, I mean, that God. was just uh, that was. Just but I don't understand this time. though. You're 11 years old, you know, back in Illinois, you know, and you're like playing and started playing in tournaments and things, and I'm huffing gas or something in Indiana, like not knowing what the hell I'm gonna do. This little kid. It sounds like you had discipline. At a very early age. Yeah, but I had all that too. I was, I was. You huffed gas? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, really? I, yeah, I was. You know, I was. You know, shoveling the snow and and working. You know, working for my grandpa and and doing things at the railroad with you know with him and and doing all that. I was doing all that. You know, and, and ha- but you know, to me that wasn't work. That was I was having fun doing that because I was hanging with the right people. With you know, with with my mom, my you know, my grandma and my grandpa. Were you a good kid in school? No, I was terrible in school. Me too. Terrible. Hated school. Hated it and and uh, went to UCLA for a year and that was enough. But uh, but I, I was bad in school. You, you know. just didn't like people talking to, down to you. Did you feel like it was like or just I had ADD, so I couldn't really focus. I had a lot of things go wrong <laughs> in school. You know, right. I, I didn't want to sit there. I was a clock watcher. You know, I uh, I had a, a reading disability, so you know you know doing all that was tough. And and so I mean, a lot of things were. You know, for me to go to school and to sit there. And, and then, you know, when I got older, you're talking about 11, 12, 13 years old. All I could think about all day is tennis, tennis, tennis. That's it. You know, I, I, want, I want to go play. I want to get out there. I want to be outside. I don't, you know, sitting in a, in a classroom. Now, you're talking about education. I, I think I've, I've had a, a, a good education along the way. Not all of it was out of books. You know, so, you know. Street smart. Yeah, and 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 I'm I'm happy. That's the one thing that that uh, that I was able to to give to my kids. You know, was was that kind of an upbringing. My wife, on the other hand, was was better at the books. Right. So you know, but in, in, anyway, I mean, you know, my my life growing up back in Illinois was you know was just normal. Was a normal kid. But but tennis back then, you know, wasn't you know if you didn't play football, baseball, basketball, something else, and you played tennis or golf. Woohoo, watch out. They call you a pansy. Oh, yeah. You got called names to see because he plays tennis. Oh, yeah. The short shorts. But well, why did they start with the short shorts? Why couldn't they be a little longer? Yeah, but, you know, we had to sell more than just tennis because we were trying to get the crowd in there. That's true. And I have to say this, and I'm not hitting on you. I'm not gay. No. <laughs> I mean, if I wore Jimmy, I'd be fine with it. But I always remember Jimmy Connors was a great tennis player. He was a badass. And man, he had a great pair of legs. They carried me for a long time. Did you work on your legs a lot? Where you're always like, I mean, God, they were just perfect. I had these sissy legs, man. And I was like, you know, because I remember playing high school tennis, and I was second doubles. And, uh, Andy Biviano, we won sectionals once, but I remember I was a scrawny little thing. 
And I think I got kicked off the team because I just, you know, whatever, for whatever reason. But I remember just like going, everybody had these strong, muscular legs. And I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not made for tennis. I'm not sexy enough for this sport. Well, it was, it was such an interesting time, you know, to, you know, to, you know, you, you talk about that in, you know, a comparison of styles now today with the, you know, the kids are wearing the long shorts and, you know, the kind of the baggy fit, almost like basketball shorts and, you know, the multicolors and, and, and standing out and, and, uh, back then it was white, you know, wore a white shirt with white shorts, with white socks, with white tennis shoes, you know, it was just all that. And I look back at the, a lot of the guys I played with and, and, uh, Ily Nastasi, for instance, uh, you know, from Romania was. Uh, He's prob- your favorite, right? One of my best friends. And, yeah. and probably in my, in my opinion, he should have been the best of all time. He was that talented. He looked like he was born in a pair of, of tennis shorts, you know that they just fit him. It just right. it just was him. But weren't you guys worried that the, the you know the the ball might pop out? Not not the tennis ball. You know, well, I, I mean, because they were short. Well, like if you know, you had to really tuck them in there. Yeah, you know, you you did what you could. You to never survive. had that happen to you. Uh, I, I I was I was pretty fortunate. I was. I was I was solid. I, I was pretty solid in there. I was okay. <laughs> I was good. Okay. Good. Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. I got found, Rocket Money. <laughs> I, I found one. It, I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up. 
and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. But it was, it was such a, a different time. And, and the way tennis and, and the game has evolved with, uh, you know, with the equipment and the training and the, the look and everything, it's just uh, right. it's been kind of interesting to watch. Yeah, so, so what happened? I guess your mother had to see something in you. Because I'm sure she would have. sounds like the kind of woman that just would speak her mind if she felt something, right? Oh, yeah. So oh, if, yeah. if you didn't have that certain talent that I thought, look, she'll let you probably live your dreams and do whatever you can, but she saw something special because she took you out to California. Well, she did, yeah, and and uh, uh, turned me over to Pancho Segura. Now, who, now educate people Pan- and myself. Pancho Segura is uh, uh, was one of my mom's best friends because my mom played uh, the national circuit when she was young, also. And Pancho Segura was from Ecuador, is a pro from Ecuador, and they became great friends when uh, uh, along the way in the the forties. Uh, so, so when when uh, he was was coming through St. Louis, I was uh, fifteen years old. And he came through St. Louis to 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 play a match, and he was doing some some promotion for the for the match coming up. So we went over to see him and to say hi to him. My mom looks at Poncho and says, "I've got a kid here, <laughs> you know, it's pretty good. My kid, yeah, my kid, by the way, <laughs> right, exactly." You know, and, and now, now the first thing I do is go hide behind my mom after that. Why you know? are you telling her that? Come on. Yeah. And, and so how many times has the great Pancho Segura heard that from parents too? But because it was Gloria Thompson, you know, my mom, yeah. who he knew, he says, how about this? Send your kid out to California. He can go to school with my son, Spencer, who is my age. And, and uh, you know, he can, he can stay out here and, and, uh, and play tennis in California. But he, did, he didn't, not to cut you off, but he didn't ask you to let's see him play right now? No. There wasn't anything like that. So no. he didn't know how good you were. No, he didn't. He, he kind of took my mom's word for it. And, and so, you know, that, that, uh, that's when I, I picked up and I moved out to California. So she saw something in you at how old before when you moved out there? I was 15. So he, she said, this, you're, you're that good. I think you have this potential. Well, she had taken me as far as she could. I was a boy, now man, that was taught by a woman, a woman's game, to beat men. Now, if you look at that, that's a little bit confusing, you know, and, and, and I'm proud of that. Absolutely. Because, a strong figure be, because the, the, the game that my mom gave me held up for three, almost four, four decades. You know, so, you know, taught a very simple, very, you know, basic fundamentals and technique. And, and, but when she turned me over to Pancho Segura, my mom had given me the game. Now, Pancho had to give me 
whatever else was to come. Right. You know, the, the mental side of it, the, you know, the strategy side of it and all that, you know, and it goes, and it goes back, Michael, just to, just to finish is that, you know, people say that, you know, to me that, you know, you, you had to, you know, it was, you had to, because, and, and they were right because I couldn't afford to, to fuck up. Right. And the reason I say that is because my mom and Poncho, my mom and grandma and Poncho and my family, both, all, invested so much in me, not money, not time, but emotional. Their emotional, you know, what they gave me emotionally, you know, to, to be what I became. I couldn't afford to mess up. Couldn't, I couldn't do it. So, you know, when, you, when, you, when I go back and I say, well, did you have fun? I had a blast. I had a blast playing. I had a blast traveling. I had a, everything was great. But there was always that little switch, you know, in my mind that says, okay, 1230, it's time to go. One o'clock, it's time to go. You can't, no, nope, no more of that. No, none of that. You can figure that out later. But, wow, you know, always. Uh, That's a lot of pressure that you put on yourself. Well, right? yeah, but I mean, in a way that probably helped me become what I became. Right. Now, do you remember? When your mother played you, when she was on the court with you, because you played her, right? Oh, yeah. Did she try her damnedest and would not ever? Was she just one of those that would just like, I'm going to beat you until you oh, beat yeah. me? Oh, I, I couldn't beat my mom until I was 16. Wow. She was that good. That good. And, and how and, old was she at this time when she's still beating you? Well, I mean, I don't know if she want me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, she, she was, uh, you know, she, she'd been through it. I mean, I was 16, you know, my brother, you know, was 17. And so how did you react? Did you, did you come home like dad, well, I beat mom? I, I went up, I remember going up on my mom and apologizing. Wow. And, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and no, she goes, that's, that's the day I've been waiting for. Been waiting oh. for you to do that. Now, you know, so, I mean, how, how many, you know, parents say that, you know, most of the parents would be, ah, you know, you're lucky, you know, you know, my mom was, my mom just did nothing but encourage me along the way. Rob's moving the, sh- the, 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 uh, the blinds, see above you? Yeah, perfect. Because oh, he's good. washing, yeah, is that better? Yeah. Well, did this just happen? Rob, our producer, this is what happens in a podcast, Jimmy. Sometimes the lighting changes in someone's house. That's that. We're not in a studio, uh, but you still look cool. You got the shades. I was good. Uh, <laughs> Thank God for the shades. Jimmy. I don't want you to be washed out. If, if I take them off, I wouldn't be able to see anything. I'd be like your puppy. I'm sort of like yeah. that with reading. I need these glasses uh, to read. But but uh, yeah, I mean it's a it's it's been I've had such a ride, Michael. You know, I mean from oh, from yeah. the very beginning, it's been such a ride. Even now, I mean my my kids, both of my kids are are growing. Brett's thirty-eight. Aubrey's gonna, you know, gonna be thirty-three, and you know, been been married for thirty-eight years, and and you know, I mean, just you know, every, but when when tennis stopped, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was struggling to walk away from tennis, right? You know, I, I had other things to do. You know, I had still had kids to raise, and and you know, family to be a part of, and other things to do business wise. And you know, so my transition, even though I missed it, because right. there will never be any replacing that ever, no. nothing ever to replace no. that. So anyway, I've just, uh, it's been it's been a great ride, and it's still going. I love it. So so, and I, and I like this is why it's called inside of you because I really want to get to. I'm getting to know you and how this all happens. So Poncho's teaching you. You're out in California. All these things are happening, and things 
picked up pretty fast after that, didn't I? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I did. I started uh, uh, growing into my game. Uh, you know, I was fifteen, sixteen, and and uh, you know, around Poncho and, and starting, you know, my game started to get better. I started to get a little stronger. Uh, and a little bigger. And so, you know, my mom gave me a game that I could grow into and, and, and grow with, and it, and it would come right along with me. So, you know, when I was you know, 17, 16, 17, I started, you know, winning some, some important matches. At that point in your life, how did you take losing? Were you got a guy that threw a racket? Were you a guy that said, yelled, fuck? Yes. Were you just, did it just infuriate you? Did it weigh on you for a long time no. after the game? No. You let it go. Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't take it well, right? You, you know, and but but I always I always knew that you know that uh, you know at the beginning, you know, I, my mom wasn't looking for me to win when I was ten, twelve, fourteen years old. She was looking for me to win when I was twenty four years old. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, and, sure. and you know when it when you know when it mattered. I think that's a, a lot that change. You know that uh, the parents today. I mean, they see so much money and so much what goes on in the game today that they want their kids to come out. You know, and, and win from the beginning. I mean, it's it's good because you're you're gaining confidence, but you know, it's a little different. It went 14 than 24. Yeah, you know what Pancho gave me. I mean, he gave me uh, so much. He basically taught me life. I mean, you got to remember, I came from a little town in Illinois. Yeah. You know, and and he was teaching me more than than just you know the game and being around the game. It was you know the whole outside the game and dealing with people and 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 figuring out. Uh, you know, uh, you know, not only on the court, but off the court, you know, how to survive. Right. And, and you know, which was, uh, you know, which was pretty fun. Did he ever tell you, hey, you can't act like that when you mess up? Hey, you can't yell like that. Did your mom ever say, hey, Jimmy, you know, that's not tennis. And you just said, that's one thing I'm not going to listen. My, my mom made me who I was. And, and Pancho made me who I was. They didn't make me who I became. That was my doing. You know, so I'm not blaming anything right or wrong that I did. Right. I'm, I'm taking full credit for all of it. Sure. You know, the wins and the losses. Right. Did did they? Yes, they did at the beginning. But, you know, that that was such a part of me because it was it was my own it was my my own personality, my own attitude. You know, if I would have kept that in, You'd I wouldn't have a, lasted yeah. so long. Right. You would have imploded. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, I'd have been out of the game early. And, and maybe that would have pleased a lot more people. I, think <laughs> I don't that think would not happen. me. But, you know, but thank you. But, uh, you know, but but for me to let that out and to do it, you know, but like I said earlier, I mean, we, we there was no rules back then. You know, we were walking fine lines and, you know, if, if we could get by with something, we did. Right. You know, intimidation, you know, arguing with the umpire, you know, nobody's standing up for us. We didn't have a, a head coach or, a, you know, a team captain or anybody, you know, looking out for us. We were looking out for ourselves out there. You know, so if we weren't going to stand up for us, who was? You, you loved know, you loved at an early age, applause, people there for you, people feeling that crowd with you. Did you just did that give you that energy? Is I like the crowd. You liked it, yeah. Because yeah, yeah I, I felt for me as an actor, it was always like I wanted instant gratification. I wanted people when I said a joke, I want laughs. When I said something, right. they applauded. I want that. It feeds you. It makes you better. It gives you more confidence. It strengthens you. And, and it's probably there's some unhealthy aspect of it no but, but they're in it you know you, they're in it yeah they're in it and, and and they're you know they know what you're up there doing and no matter what acting or tennis or or uh, what music or whatever and 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 they they want to they want to get as involved as you do you know that that's why you know this happens yeah 
you know, so, yeah. you know, that they want to be a part of it. They want to be drawn in, you know, and, and uh, to sit there and, and not just sit there to say they're 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 watching a movie or whatever. They, they want to be sucked into something special, you know, and, and you know, and, and, if, and if the more they gave me, the more I wanted to give them. You know, it's funny, Rodney Dangerfield, one of my favorites of oh, all yeah. time. And uh, he was doing Caddyshack. It was his first movie. He's like, I'll tell you, I don't know. He does something. I don't know what the line was. And then afterwards, he kind of goes into a corner. And just, That's pretty good, by the way. Oh, thank you. That was thanks. really good. I'll tell you, Jimmy. Hey, it's amazing. <laughs> You're amazing. Huh? All right. He uh, goes to a corner, and he's looking upset. He's shaking his head. And the, the guy that was the Italian guy in Caddyshack, I, I don't remember his name, comes up to him and goes, hey, Rodney, you okay? No. He's like, what's the matter? He's like, I'm bombing here. I'm bombing. He said, what are you talking about? Nobody's laughing, I tell you. Nobody's laughing. They can't laugh because of the microphones. It's a movie. Right. He didn't understand because he was so used to instant, they love me, right. the laughs, the, and it energized him. And there's something so, like, I had to learn that the first time I did a TV show or a movie or whatever, I was trying to be funny and no one's laughing. I kind of felt like, oh, I better, can I have another take? No, it was great. What do you mean? We laughed at the monitors. Interesting. I couldn't fucking hear you. Laugh louder. We can't. Right. But there's something about that. There's something weird about that that, um, but that's all about performing, though, don't you? Isn't that the reason you uh, you go out there to try to reach that that uh, yep. you know something special, yeah. you know, or perfection, yeah. or whatever to to get the the feedback? If they're not clapping, you're doing something wrong. Something's wrong, right? Is right. Yeah, but you did something that no one ever did. I mean, when you watch those some of those matches in the '91 comeback at the U.S. Open, you watch these things. I like, in the, and I just watched the ESPN 30 for 30, and I was just like, I've never seen tennis crowds like that. It was just like people, and you say, uh, give them what they want or whatever. And then it was, it was it, you were like part of them. They felt like they were part of Jimmy Connors. Like, you know, somebody said on the show that they, they felt like, they, I helped him win that match. I was there. I, I was part of that. How do you feel when people say that? Well, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that gave me what I worked for for 20 years, you know, right then and there, you know, to, to, get, to get that noise in that stadium. You know, that was... 20,000 people sounding like 60, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, for, you know, for them, but they, they weren't applauding a shot. They were applauding it. a performance. It. It. it, you know, I mean, they, they, they it was, it, you know, and, and I, I haven't gone back and watched a, a lot. I did watch a few quips of, you know, that, that, uh, that open occasionally. Right. But, but I would watch that every day. But, but I, you know, I, <laughs> no, I, no, no. but Michael, I didn't even watch the tennis. I watched the crowd, you know, the crowd was what, you know, what, what was what interested me, you know, and, and, and they were clapping, you know, when, when the tennis was still going on, you know, the, you know, and, and their involvement, that gave me everything I worked for. Right. Right there. Now, a lot of people out here, like, you know, listening and watching, this was, uh, you know, when you hear Jimmy Connors, I mean, you think tennis legend. It's not like, you know, everyone knows about the 91 U.S. Open, you know. But don't forget the Wimbledon when you beat McEnroe in 82. And don't forget the eight majors. Well, <laughs> and don't forget all these, you know. Do you know how many matches you played? Uh, I played a lot of matches. You could get yeah. number. Give me a number. 1,500. 1535. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, how many wins? Uh, 1200. I know I have 1256. Okay. Eight. Yeah. It's eight, over 82% winning percentage. Right. I mean, it just baffles me. And you look at this and you're like, 
you know, uh, a Grand Slam. Grand Slam's like, you know, for those people who don't know, it's, it's one of the majors, right? right. It's one of the, there's, there's four. Four majors. Australian, the French, the U.S. Open, and Wimbledon. Right. Right? And the one that you didn't win, and you could have won it probably a couple times, all four in one year, which is how many times has that been done, but you didn't play in the French Open, and why not? Well, I mean, it, <laughs> you know, a lot of people bring that up, and 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 uh, I won Australia. And right. once back then you win Australia, then you're the only one that can win the Grand Slam. Then the next one was the French, and and that was the first year that team tennis came in, and team tennis uh, was something new that was brought in by Billie Jean King, uh, where I, I played for Baltimore. So there was Baltimore and Pittsburgh and New York and then Los Angeles, and there was like uh, Houston, and there was. 10 or 12 cities around the country that, that would uh, bid on a team and, and, and for their players. So it was the first year, and, you know, it was early in my career, and, and I was still— It was like 75? 74. 74. Yeah, and I was still looking to make money. You know, I didn't have any, so I was trying to figure out ways to, to make money. And, and they offered me a good contract to, to play team tennis. So uh, plus it was, it was matches leading up to Wimbledon and, and the French and all that, which right. would have been good for me. So all that aside, the French decided that team tennis wasn't good for the game in itself and, and uh, that, that uh, it was going to keep guys from playing in the major tournaments and so forth, which you know for me was just the opposite. I was going to play the majors and use that as as uh, match play and getting in shape and all that. So anyway, they decided to keep me out. Uh, Did it piss you off? You know, yeah. so many things happened then. Yes, it pissed me off. Right. It did. And, and uh, you, know, you know, go back and whether I would have won the French or not, you know, it, it's, it's almost a, uh, it's a better story that I went on <laughs> in one Wimbledon in the open. Yeah. And, the, and the story is now, well, shit, who knows? Connors could have won the Grand Slam. Right. You know, who will never know now. It was, uh, you know, then lawsuits come in and, you know, and all that. And, and it was nothing about that that I enjoyed. That was one part of my career that that really wasn't, you know, a fun part. I mean, I had a manager who was, you know, took over that, did a lot of things. What was his name? Bill Reardon. Reardon. Yeah. Bill Reardon. And who, uh, you know, who was probably the greatest marketing and, and promoter I'd ever, I've ever met. He's uh, like a Don know, King of tennis. Beyond. He wow. was Barnum and Bailey before Barnum and Bailey, and he could he could sell sell you anything. And how did he sell you? And if you sold, were him, and how? he sold me. You know right, that, right. Was, that was the whole thing. You know how he sold me. You know when I was first coming up, Michael, and and I walked in one of his tournaments. I I, I, I don't I, I don't even think I was a pro yet, and and uh, and I walked in to do a cocktail party, you know, for him and the sponsors. And, and as I walked in, I had, I had no credentials, no anything. And he says, the one and only Jimmy Connors, you know, and now I'm looking around saying, you know, where is he? <laughs> you, you know, I, I have no credentials to, to warrant that, right. you know, but that was his starting of, of building me, yeah. you know, my reputation and, and, and what I was, you know, what. And I, is there a point where you start believing that? Oh like, yeah. Right then. You're like, I am the Jimmy Connors. Right then. You're right right then. then, you're like, I am. I'm yeah. the Jimmy Connors. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, for him to say that, you know, he, he had to, to see something. So, you know, okay, I'll take it. You know, so then, you you know, then all of a sudden you start winning a few matches. Right. And then all of a sudden you start believing that. And you're right. I did start believing it. What was the first match where you were like, um, I'm going to, like, wow, I'm somebody. This is the one that now it put, puts me on the map. I was 17 years old. I was playing 
in the Pacific Southwest, which is right here in L.A. at, at the Los, Los Angeles Tennis Club. And I'd gone through the qualifying. I won five matches in the qualifying to play the great Roy Emerson. Roy Australia. Emerson, right. I found out all this later. But he had just come from the U.S. Open. Uh, where he was in the semifinals, I think, which is a grind. And, and so he travels to to play this young 17-year-old kid in the first round who was, you know, look, looking for, you know, any way to, you know, to get a win. Right. I go out and I play him, and I beat him 6-4 in the third uh, on a side court. Straight sets. No, no, three sets. Oh, oh three sets. Three right. sets. And on the side court at the L.A. Tennis Club, I had Poncho watching the match and, and uh, his son Spencer, who was, who was my good friend, and by the time we got into the match, you couldn't find a seat. And, and, I, and I say that because that's the first, really the first feeling of an event that I was a part of, which was that, that kind of match of that importance where, you know, that, that people were actually clamoring, you know, to come and to, get, to, to watch and to get a view of. And, and that's the one thing that Poncho told me after is he says, do you like that? Do you, do you like what happened there? And I said, what, the win? You know, and I said, you know, I'm going out. My arms are raised and, <laughs> you know, I, I just beat Roy Emerson, you know. And, and, and then he says, I'm not talking about that. I said, I'm talking about the crowd. I said, I said, that was unbelievable. That was unbelievable. He says, you want it again? He says, go win tomorrow night. You know, I said, okay. You know, so then right then, right then, I started getting the feeling of, of what winning that, felt good. The winning felt good is right. And the yeah. crowd and the noise and the yeah. energy and all this. And that's when you're 17 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, I got this. Well, I didn't have it, but but I was getting it. You were getting yeah. it. Yeah. It was, you know, things started to go in the right direction. And and that was really the first time that I felt that that I could actually start competing against the guys at the top. Right were, were you at that age pretty fearless? You didn't care who someone was, or did it get in your head a little bit like this guy's this? I got to watch out for this. No, was there any kind of strategy? No, I, I, you know the 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 bigger they were, the better win for me. You, you know that's the way I looked at it. Right. You know whether whether I did or not, because when I was first coming up, Michael, I didn't have any pressure. You know if I if I wasn't able to go out and freewheel it and, and uh, you know just you know cut loose and play my kind of tennis with, with no pressure, when would I be able to? Right. You know, so, you know, I, I was I was looking to play, you know, that. But then on the other hand, we're talking about Bill Reardon. Here here was his genius, too. He kept me kind of quiet. You know, I played his tour a uh, number of months of the year so that I wasn't just always in in the the, the jaws of the greats. You know, I'd go and I'd get some experience and I'd, I'd get matches. I'd be in good shape and, you know, I'd get some wins so my confidence would go up. And so then when uh, I went out and I played against the best, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, walking in lacking anything. Right. You know, and I was eager, eager to play him. So, I mean, I was I was brought up by some <laughs> kick-ass women. Crazy, <laughs> crazy, genius, you know, uh, you know, not, and I'm saying that with my mom too, my mom and right. my grandma. I mean, you know, they had to be crazy to think some kid from a little kid from Illinois could could eventually, you know, become the best player in the world. It'd be crazy to think that. Yeah. Then to be crazy to turn me over to Segura, and he was crazy for taking me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's been it's unbelievable. I mean, what a story! So much fun. It was, so and like fun. along the way, now we're in the seventies, and you're starting to build a name for yourself. And like, what about dating? 
Like, what about dating? What about partying? What, were you more disciplined? Where you weren't a drinker? You weren't a you weren't doing any drugs? You were just so no. focused. You never got into that stuff. I, I didn't know. And in being California, that's got to be hard. It's very yeah. it's all there. It was all here, and it, it could have been you know. And I was hanging around UCLA, and and uh, uh, and then eventually went there for a year, and and it, it was available. Uh, but you know, like I said, I couldn't afford to mess up. You know, I, I, I owed people. You were the guy that went to dinner and about nine thirty said, I gotta go home. No, I gotta train in the morning. No, I wasn't, I wasn't quite like that, but, but, but I, you know, like I said, I always had that switch, you know, that, uh, that knew that, that, uh, when it was time to leave and, and I was pretty good, pretty good at staying away from the trouble. I was pretty good at that. What was the first moment where you said something come, came out of you that you hadn't seen before? or your coach hadn't seen before, or your family hadn't seen, like ferocity, that energy, that sort of like, just that that Jimmy Connors that everybody came to know and that you never knew it was going to happen. It was unpredictable. When was the first time that something came out where you were like, you surprised yourself how like you lost your shit, you lost control, you screamed, you did something, and you then you were okay with it. I wanted, How did that evolve? Was that just a slow evolution of... Yeah, it, it wasn't... Uh, I mean, it just uh, didn't all of a sudden happen. I mean, you know, my... You know, my uh, geez, I, I swore I wasn't going to use this word, rage. Hey, I wasn't going to use that. Uh, my rage came from an early age. I, I, had, I had a lot of it. Uh, and uh, you know, tennis was very good for me because of... To, to get rid of that. Right. And, and, and then, you know, as, as I, as I use that, I could push myself further and push myself harder because of that. But then it also caused me pr- uh, trouble as I got older, you yeah. know, and, uh, on the court and, and, uh, you know, with, with some of the situations I got in because of that rage. But on the, on the other hand, without that, I don't know if I would have been, if you would have gotten as far, I don't think I would have. Did you ever get mad at yourself oh, yeah. at getting at, at losing yourself? Oh yeah. Like, did you ever just like? Did you ever have a good cry? Did Jimmy Connors ever have a cry? No, there's no crying in sports for, for me. That's Tom Hanks said that. No, but I didn't take that from him. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> there's no crying in baseball, uh, no. Jimmy, or tennis. No, I, I didn't. So I, I told you before, I crossed the line, <laughs> and I probably had more fun crossing the line. Than, than I did. Anybody. Yeah. To be able to control that rage, sometimes I couldn't. Sometimes I just couldn't. Did Gloria or Grandma or uh, Poncho ever say, you might have lost it a little bit that night? Oh, yeah. You know. Did you get mad when they said it like, well, I was right? I was never wrong, <laughs> you know, you right. know and, and, I, and I've been criticized for saying that, you know, but, but sure. you know, for, for me... Everybody has their own thing to get them to to where they want to go, you know. And like I said when we first sat down, I'm taking full credit, right and wrong. Yeah, all the good and all the bad. What you see is what you get, though. Yeah, that's always oh, yeah. been like that. That hasn't changed. No, no, no. This no. is who I am. I'm not perfect. Right, right. And and the the end result is, Michael, going back then, you know, there was there was nobody like that. Well, McEnroe was a bit of a hothead. Yeah, but he came after. He came after you, right? You know, there, there's guys that are bad boys. You know, did and, you ever say that to him? Did you ever say, "You're copying me, buddy"? Well, I started this shit. Well, there was there was there was, was Nastasi and Connors, and then there's one of be bad boys, right? You know, and and you know, but but if you're going to do it, don't apologize for it. You know, go and do it, and take and take full credit, right and wrong, and and the interest that that created, 
you know, that's what brought in the hockey fans, right? You, you know, yeah. and, and, and the basketball fans. That's you know, they they didn't want to come see guys playing white shirt. I told you that they they wanted to see guys going at it. Did you ever throw a punch in a tennis match? No. Did you ever come close? Me and Mac had some good times, right? <laughs> you know, you know, some good. You think he's a tough guy? Good faith. I think he can. Sure, I think he can handle himself. If you guys went at it, at your youth, it would have been a good scrap. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad it never went there, right? You know, but but uh, yeah, I think it it would have been fun, you know. And I well, think he, I think he thinks the same thing, which was uh, which is even better. What was the first moment that when you when the first time you played each other did it start right then? I had everything he wanted. Uh, uh, I'm Irish. He's Irish. I was number one in the world. He wanted to be number one in the world. I was number one in the U.S. He wanted to be number one in the U.S. Uh, my, re- my return and my, my one game was totally opposite of his. He was a certain volleyer. You know, so, so we clashed at everything. You know, and, and the first time we played was in the semifinals of Wimbledon. He qualified, got to the semis, and I played, I played him in the semis and beat him in four sets. You know, right then I knew he was it. He was my competition. I knew that. Right. You know, and, and how old were you at this time? Uh, let's see, I was, let's see, I was 77. So I had to be 26. 20, and he was 20, 18. He was 18. Yeah. 25, 26. And he was 18. What was the worst thing he ever called you that really pissed you off on the court? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. Did you ever say old man, even though you're only 26? <laughs> oh, that's cold. Ouch. Hey, oh, uh, but you're 26. Ouch, so you're not ouch. that old. But. No, no, you know, it's just, you know, we just, we just, just combative. Yeah. We just went at it. And, and, but that's what made for that rivalry. You know, our rivalry was not soft. It, that, that was, you know, the Lakers and, and the Celtics, you know, Connors and McEnroe, you know. And, and now, nowadays, you know, they've got great rivalries. But, you know, it's tough for me to ever think that Mac would have hugged me after a match. <laughs> it's just tough for me to think that. You know, or vice versa. You know, these days, guys today, they're, they, it's just different. Right. You know, and, and it, I like that. You know, I liked having that kind of rivalry with him because it brought out the best in me. But I was at a stage, Michael, where things had happened uh, over the course of my career. That every time I walked out there, I felt like these guys would rather beat me than, than <laughs> yeah. you know, than anything. You know, which was, you know, to me, what a compliment. Yeah. Did you Did you feel like... You wanted was there part of you, part of Jimmy Connors, that like every match you played, I want to get under his skin. I want to piss him off. I want to fuck with this guy's head. I want to psychologically beat him. I want to physically beat him. I want to fucking beat this guy any way I can. Was I it could, always like that? I couldn't have said it better myself. Really? <laughs> really? I mean, but it's but it's true because you have to impose, you know, what you have on them. Because it's not only that match, because you're going to play these guys over and over and over again. So you got to try to figure out a way to never let them forget the last time. You know, so, you know, for me, whatever that took. Right. And, and unapologetic. And, 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 I've been, and I've been criticized for that, you know, right. for having that kind of attitude. Sure. You know, but, you know, you know, what the hell, like you said, you know, I am what I am. Before 91, you had an injury, you're out for test. What was happening like in the late 80s before that tournament? Were, were you having a lot of problems? No. You hurt your wrist, didn't you? Oh, in, in 90. I in hurt, 90, you yeah. hurt your wrist. Yeah. You missed a lot of games? I missed the whole year. You missed the whole year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had how many straight U.S. Open appearances before that? Oof, uh, I, don't, I don't know, 20? Straight U.S. Open appearances. I think 18, 19, something like that. And so 90 was the first time you missed it. Yeah. And yeah. then 91, you're recovering from this. You're 30, almost 39 at this point. Yes. And you're like, what, was, what were you thinking? One last hurrah. Most guys would have been like... I'm done. Well, <laughs> that for a sport like that, 
There's so much conditioning, so much. But I was done. You know, my, my, uh, I, I blew my wrist out in my, my very first match of 1990. And every doctor I went to uh, told me, he says, rest, you'll be fine. You know, take, it, take a little time off, take a little time off. You know, so two weeks turned into six weeks, turned into three months, turned in, you know, so, you know, and then I tried to play a little bit along the way. I was getting frustrated, you know, see if it worked. So I went to Europe in, uh, in September, the end of September of 90, and my wrist was getting no better. I went to play two tournaments and I was shooting up my wrist uh, to, to see if I could play, you know. Like epidurals or with, steroids lidocaine or whatever. Lidocaine or lidocaine, no, right. whatever to, so I wouldn't feel anything. So I came back, did no good. And I got a call from uh, a doctor friend of mine in Santa Barbara, and, uh, and he says, uh, he said, hey, hey what, what's going on? I said, geez, Doc, I just got back from Europe. He, he said, how'd it go? I said, well, not so good. He says, you're finished. And, and just I, like that. Just like that. And I went, uh, you know, I just got off a plane. Sounds like my ex-girlfriend, and, Jimmy. <laughs> I've been there, too. We're finished. It's <laughs> over. I've been there. <laughs> and and I, I said, Doc, he says, he says, you come see me, come see me tomorrow. We're going to either figure this out or we're not. So I went in the next day. He opened up my wrist. My wrist had exploded. So he had to rebuild my left wrist, my good wrist. And, and, uh, and, and it wasn't the kind where you knocked me out to do it. So he, he did this thing and, and, uh, come on, so, you you're feeling this shit. No, I wasn't feeling anything. Oh, he, just, he put this thing on my arm where there was no blood flow. And, and, uh, so my arm was like, it was asleep. And so I'm talking to him, you know, all, while he's doing it and he's telling me what he's doing. And I'm going, well, how's that? How's that? I'm look? digging in your phalanges right, now, Jimmy. Right. Uh, here we go. We're going in the, uh, you know, Jesus. It, you know look, looking back. I mean, the reason I did it, because I didn't want to be told that I had to stop. Right, of course. It, anyway, to make a long story sh- short, I'm in a cast for, I don't know, 12 weeks after that. I start out like a beginner, right. uh, and my kids are throwing me balls, and and I go, I didn't mean it to come out like that. Jesus, <laughs> Jimmy. Jesus, really? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and so... Uh, and then, and then when I went back in to play a tournament, I was treated as a as a newcomer, as a beginner also, and that pissed me off. So anyway, to make long story short, I go and I play the French. I get to the third round of the, the French. I get to the third round of Wimbledon, which is really not the you know the results I was looking for. But my goal was was the U.S. Open, and that if I could get in shape and use the four or five months before the U.S. Open to to get my game in order and, and get my strength back. And if my wrist held up, then the U.S. Open was where I wanted to. Is try. there a certain you have to qualify for the U.S. Open? Is there something you have to do? Or- I didn't. They gave me a wild card in, into the U.S. Open. So it was a wild card. Yeah. But had that work? So it was just by chance, by by luck that well, you even got into the tournament. No, I mean it, I, I was ranked out of I was ranked a hundred and. 60 something or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was 174. Yeah. So, so then, so they, I asked for a wild card to, to let me in the tournament. You know, I'd won the thing five times. So, you know, hopefully they would have given me a, a wild card and they did, right. you know, which was great. And, but, but I wasn't seated. I was just throwing in the draw, you know, and, and, you know, for me, I, I always wanted to be a floater, a dangerous floater in that, in that sure. draw. And I was now all of a sudden at, at almost 39, I was a dangerous floater. But not only that, but there's something to be said about like if a pitcher goes into uh, the seventh inning and there's his team's losing three, nothing or five, nothing. It's not so much pressure. He's losing. He's pitcher. Your team's, he just, in other words, you'd probably throw your best at, at inning he strikes out the side, maybe gives his team some momentum. Mm-hmm. They start winning. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but what I'm saying is 
you really, as much as a competitor you are, you probably didn't have a lot of pressure on you because no one thought you had a fucking chance probably to win, right? No, that's right. Exactly right. You know, and, and, and from, from my st- I didn't know where, you know, where I was, what I was feeling what I, until I walked out onto the court. And, you know, and when they made the draw, Michael, this is the interesting thing. You know, it, I get a call that says the draw is made. And I said, oh, good. You know, and, and I never cared about the draw. never looked at the draw or whatever. And they said, you play McEnroe. You're thinking, John. I'm thinking, geez, John didn't, he's not playing anymore. You know, what the hell? And he said, his brother Patrick, you know, and I'm going, oh my God. So, you know, I go out and, and play against him and, and uh, I'm down two sets of love in a break. And, and Two sets of love. People have left. There's yeah. 4,000 people. I love this story. 4,000 people all come down, the real fans. Right. The thing holds 20,000 people. Right. 4,000 people gathered around. People in the shitty seats are now in the good seats, and they're watching, and it's now like 2 in the morning or right. some shit. Right. And you've turned it around. Yeah, they, they stayed until the end. They stayed till about 1.30 in the morning. And when was the yeah. moment where you said, I'm in his head, man. I got this. I just got to focus. Well, once once I got back in into the third set, and uh, I was down a break and almost two breaks, and and uh, once I got back into that, and things things got even. You know, there's things that happen in a match, whether it's you know one call or a, a noise or a, a clap or, or right. something that that you feel turns it around. And and once that did, you know, my my confidence and everything, even though I was still down, just uh, just just lifted and i'd see his shoulders kind of slumped a little bit and he says you know this match should be over i should be in the in the shower i should be out getting something to eat this is an old man you know i (laughs) I felt i felt everything that he was saying in my head you know so you know so but but i once i got through that you know i i kind of took that as business as usual you know that you know i was down two sets i I was lucky i got i got in a good grind and was able to win that match but the next day I got up early. I couldn't sleep. I got up early and went and practiced. And and uh, and Boris Becker, I was on the third court, and he he came from the first court down to the third court and and shook my hand and says that 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 was some some playing last night, and and I'll never forget that because you know for him to come and do that, I said Jesus, something might have happened there, you know something good happened there that you know for Boris, you know, and I'm friends yeah. with Boris. We've been friends for. So years. did that give you even more confidence? Or yeah. Something like- yeah, I said, geez, you know. So all of a sudden, I'm kind of starting to question myself. What happened there last night? You know, but but the the thing about it is, from that point on, then I I was I was in the middle of that hurricane. I was in the eye. I I didn't I didn't really feel, you know, what was going on around that hole. And then you beat control. Michael Shaper, Shapers. Yeah. Yeah. And that was pretty easy. Oh well, I won my my next two matches in in straight sets. Straight sets, you know. Which and now was, people are going, what what's going on here? There's something special happening. Well, it was that was good because I played almost uh, probably four and a half hours with Patrick. So you know, a, a couple <laughs> Less couple easier, times easier probably matches better for you. was better. And then and then I played uh, played my friend Aaron Crickstein in, oh, in the fourth round, which was now this is one of the he's about to go up two sets to none, right? Yeah. And he had this thing. He knew that he, and again, you could see when I was watching. The match, I could see that his face. There was something he missed a shot. That was one of the overheads that he would get ninety, a hundred, you know, ninety nine percent of the right. time. He always nailed, and he missed it. And and were you shocked? Were you absolutely shocked that he missed the shot? Ooh. You you never know what's going to happen in a situation like that. It, you know, I mean, that's that's why the difference between number one and number one hundred is so such a fine line, right? You know, uh, you know, does does. Uh, the Stefan Edberg who who won the tournament does he make that? 
you know, at that time, you yeah. know, or, you know, who makes that and, and who misses it? Do you right? think you would have won if Aaron, who never does this, and he said, like in the interview I watched, he goes, there was a ball and he said, they called it uh, in. And he goes, what? That was out. That was, and they overruled it and they said it was in. And he said that was the biggest mistake because that pissed you off. And the fire that was inside you just everything just changed. Things you, did change. You're you right. Flipped out, and then right. everything changed. Right, and, and plus the crowd got into it. Exactly. Right. You know the you know the the arguing and see, I like that part of the game. You know <laughs> the course. intimidation and the arguing and, and things because it gave the people the opportunity to see the real passion that you have yeah. for what you're doing. And you know, and I got criticized for that too. Sure. So, but but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know that that's all right. You know so. You're, but but he's right. Once once that happened, you know, you're like I got him. There's no my way. there's my rage. That's it. You know, sometimes you know there's the rage that worked for me. Sometimes it worked against me. Sometimes it works for I'm me. I'm 39 years old. Give me a break. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I said. Yeah. You know, but it, but it it was clearly clearly obvious. Oh, you just you, you lost it. I did. And yeah. it was genuine. It was just unadulterated. Just just came right out of you, and that just gave you a, a new energy. Because you're probably tired after this is like a couple matches in or a couple sets in. Right. And it probably gave you this adrenaline. Well, I mean, I, I've never thrown a match or, or a set or a game in my – a point in my life. And, and when we were one set all in that, that had taken so much out of me that, that I had to let the third set go. Like it, you it, let it go. I did. You know, for me, I, uh, you know. Was it I, obvious? Well, it was obvious to me. <laughs> You know, and I don't know if it was uh, to to the crowd. Was that strategy? It was. It had to be because if if I would have given everything into that set and lost it, you know. You wouldn't have had anything left. wouldn't have anything left. So you said, hey, I know that if I just relax for this next set and take my time. Because they do say things like, uh, you know, I found it interesting. You did the towel, six touched. You touched the towel. You sprayed your knee. You did all these things. You were taking your time. It was all deliberate. Because he played a fast game. Yeah, yeah, he was. Did you, you know, want to slow him down? Oh, uh, yeah, I had to for me. Sure. You know, and and you know, I, I had to kind of try to upset his rhythm some way. Right. You know, but but uh, but I I also you know knew when I first came out. You know, we're, we were friends. We we practiced and and uh, you know hung out and did a lot of things. Did together. you always beat him? Uh, I had a good record against him. Yeah, right. I did have a good record. But but I came out and thought that I could jump on top of him right away. And 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 kind of you know steamrolling right and intimidate him that didn't work didn't work that didn't work no so and that took a lot out of me you know so, in watching that when you come back and you beat Crickstein um I, then I watched it I kind of I, I sort of felt bad for him because it was like his coach dropped him he ended up selling aquariums and teaching tennis and he's very open about it he was just very um, vulnerable or whatever and they said Jimmy never called me. And I always thought, really? Well, <laughs> well, I, I, I think I think a lot more is made out of that than than should have been. I'm, I'm sure. And and the the reason being is because you know after that you know my my regular tennis day days on the regular tour were over. Right. You know, and I played a little bit, but then I got involved in you know another business, and sure. and then I got involved with starting the senior tour. Should I have called him and stayed in touch with him and things? Sure. Do you ever think about him? When? Uh, today? <laughs> Still? <laughs> well, do you ever think, you know what? I'm just going to give him a call and say hello. 
Well, I'm down in Florida. I spend a lot of time down in Florida in Boca, and he's down there also. So we run into each other. And, and oh, you do run into each yeah, other now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, we had a match. Uh, the last match I played in, in uh, uh, out in the open, uh, I played against him at his club down in uh, down in Boca Raton, Florida. And Who won? So Who won? He did. You let him win, didn't you? You felt bad. Nah, you felt I, bad for the 91 <laughs> tour. You let Crick Steve I in. never let anybody. And you bought an aquarium. Uh, uh, never let that happen. You would never let anybody beat you. No. Ever. Never. Not even Brett, your not, son, no. not even no. your daughter, Aubrey, no. nobody. No, why? You just won't let that happen. I can't. I can't. That's why I don't play tennis anymore, uh, you know, in public. I won't do it. The next guy you play, uh, who was that? Paul Harvis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I just want to talk about this, the lobs. It always... It's one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen because I, how fast is his you're, – you're hitting these balls just to stay alive, and you're deep on your side of the court. Right. And he is right at the net, and he pounds this ball probably 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Probably. All he has to do out of one of – just nail one of those out of your reach, and the whole rest of the match is, is, is different. Right. Because it's break point, Right. For two sets to love lead. I've never seen anything like this. He smashes a ball. I, I, it was like God, divine intervention. You, 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 you hit this ball, it pops up again. It's another lob right in front of his face. There's a whole court he has. He hits it again, and you recover. And then it goes like, and this happens four times, and it's one of the most. And you could hear that audience, the, the crowd. I've never, I've never seen it. It brought tears to my eyes in a really way. I told you I cry. I know you don't, Jimmy. <laughs> I fucking do. Okay. And I cried naked on my bed upstairs. Oh no, don't, that's no, too no. Much, it wasn't too sexual, much too Jimmy. Much it wasn't sexual. I sleep naked. And I was. My dog was there. There's Aubrey, your daughter. She's hearing <laughs> yeah. this. And I was just like, oh my god, it's just this is a miracle. It's a fucking miracle. Did you think it was a miracle? For that to happen, that you know, so many things had to be right for me. Let's face it, and and uh, yeah, it was. Let's let's face it, and and uh, to get the lobs back, he should he should have put uh, at least three of those away, uh, you know. But he just didn't, you know. He didn't get a good solid hit at it, and he gave me a chance to get it back, you know. But after all that, you know, the best part of it all was, you know, I, I still had to make the shot, yeah, you know, to and then the backhand, and then you know to, to make that off. shot down the line, and and uh, you know, and and that. That's when I heard that crowd for the very first time, you know, in 20 years after the, after that and you know, the way they sounded and, and, and what they were able to give me, I finally really appreciated everything that, that they had given me over that 20 years. I, I never, ever have felt anything like that, Michael. And, and, you know, like I said, you know, you, I, I've, I've done other things after my tennis is over. There's never anything to replace like that. that moment. Like that moment. And you no. still didn't cry. No, won't happen. Did you cry when Aubrey was born, your daughter? Well, I, 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 that's about as close. <laughs> you're you're begging for you want me to I say. I just want to hear the one say, cry. The okay. one. The one cry. Yeah, I did. I did. Yes. I, I, I did. Connor's I, I, I cry. I must say. I must say. Oh, you know, listen, what a there, beautiful there, thing. There, there's nothing, you know, and and uh, and I was in for uh, with for both my kids, and and um, I'm not one of those guys to go back and 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 ever say. That you know that that's the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I mean even though it might be, but I've had you know like I said before, I've had such a ride, oh, such yeah. a good ride. And by the way, you're still young. Yeah, I'm I'm still going. Keep riding. Yeah, I'm coming to I'll, Santa Barbara. Come. We're gonna play some ping pong we, or some we, shit. I'll, I'll get. I'll, Do you still play tennis at all for fun? Occasionally. I'm terrible, so we could hit. I'll give you a go. 
I'll, I'll give I mean, you. I haven't played since I played with probably Andy Biviano in high school doubles. Well, I wasn't good. Don't I'm call. okay. We we can uh, we can go out. And we can have some fun. That's Aubrey. You hear that? Yeah. You're, That's you're, his daughter. You're, you're welcome anytime. And, and and listen, if you get through me, then you got to take on Aubrey. So, <laughs> Are, so is Aubrey good? Your daughter's good. She can play. Yeah, she can play. Varsity tennis. Where they like that's Connor's daughter right there. <laughs> Don't touch her; he'll beat the shit out yeah, of you. Uh, that's she's uh, got a good serve. She does. Why am I talking like that? I don't oh know. my god! I don't. Uh, you coached. I, I didn't know you coached all these people. You coached Roddick. You coached Maria Sharapova. How did your wife feel about you coaching this hot, beautiful, sexy young woman? Was she worried that Maria was going to go for the uh, older guy? No, I don't, I don't think that. Uh, she wasn't worried. Patty has nothing to worry Patty about. Patty doesn't freak out. How no. long have you been married? 38 years. 38 years. Yeah, yeah. And not once did she go, Jimmy. No. She's really beautiful. It, she was actually happy at times that I got out of the house. Was Maria uh, easy to work with? Uh, Andy was great to work with. <laughs> okay. Well, was, well, Andy was a good kid. Yeah. Had, had a blast with Andy. And uh, I, I was almost uh, two years with him, uh, you know, traveling and, right. and coaching him and everything. And uh, we had good success. Who's your favorite athlete of all time? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I got to go back Muhammad Ali, number one, uh, you know, and, and go back to the time Wayne Gretzky, you know. Gretzky, the great one. Joe Montana, Larry Bird. You know, I'm going to leave. I love Larry Bird. Uh, I'm yeah. from Indiana. Grew up in yeah. Spartan, Indiana. Uh, you know, and then, and then you know, what, what about uh, Willie Shoemaker? Oh, yeah. You know, Secretariat. What I love about you, the all this all this shit's great. This is this has been the, one of the best days of my life. That maybe 91 uh, U.S. Open for you. No, this has Ty, been pretty Ty, special. This is, for me, this is really special. Thanks. This is, and, but the thing that made me the happiest was reading some of your tweets. And you're... You're an 80s fan. You're a Lionel Richie fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, you, we just went the other night to see him at the, at the Hollywood I've Bowl. I've seen him like five, eight times, yeah. whatever. Do you know all his songs? Oh, yeah. If I sang one, would you know the words? Would you sing with me? Uh, I, I gave up my singing. Aubrey, sing- can you bring me that guitar right there, I, please? I gave up my singing Aubrey. career, but... Uh, <laughs> well, we don't have to really sing it. Can I hum it? We could croon it. I'll hum, it. I'll hum along with you. This is Aubrey bringing my guitar... His amazing. Thanks, Ops. Uh, you're the best. All right, here we go. Here we go. Because I love '80s. Is that in tune? That's. Stuck on you. Got a feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. And I'm on my way. Needed a friend, ready? Needed a friend And the way I feel about you I'll be with you till the end Yes, I'm on my way Mighty glad you stayed Oh! That's it! Hey, there you go. Lionel Richie! I'm going, I'm going back into retirement after Dude, that. I did that just that? for you, Mike. And you like just... Boy George? Oh, yeah. I mean, you like the same show. We should go to an 80s concert together. Let's do it. I'm friends with Richard Marks. None of my friends care, but I like care. He's my buddy. You know Richard? Oh, yeah. He and I went to see Lionel Uh, together. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. That's unbelievable. We got to tweet him. We got to get together and go see an 80s concert. I'd I'd do it. I'd do it. This this has been, I mean, look, 
having you on. I hope you'll come back. Oh yeah, invite I, me anytime. I, I mean, loved it. this. I didn't look. Here's what's funny. I was so nervous about this freaking uh, this this interview. I have 15 pages of notes, <laughs> and I think I looked at it maybe twice. Good because it was you're the easiest guy to talk to, and you just you're just it's so honest that it's just. You say what you what you want to say. That's it. You say what you mean. Yeah, you know, you say I'm I'm not I'm 65, and and I, I say that because I'm proud to be it. Uh, I'm proud to be here, and and uh, been through a lot. I've done a lot. I've enjoyed it a lot, and and I don't have uh, I don't have anything that I look back. No on. regrets. No regrets that I could. Do say you I miss could, anything? Oh, I'm, oh, I miss it every day. Do you still dream about being on the court? Like no, winning? I don't no? dream. I don't dream about. You're it. not a dreamer. You're not a crier. Who no, are you, Jimmy? No, I, but I, but I miss it. Uh, there and and uh, you know to go out and and to to put your your name and your reputation and your game on the line every day. There's something about that that just that, that's just special. If somebody said, Jimmy, are you the best tennis player to ever live? What would you say? I mean that's really not for me to say, but but I but I will say this: that if you if you say, uh, Jimmy, did you give it everything you had every time you walked out there and you broke your back and, and bled, you know, for what you were doing? I'd say I was the best at that. That's what I'll say I was the best at because that's what I want is my legacy, you know, not the winning. You know, everybody wins, you know, and but but I I went out there every time with the understanding that that. You know, that's that's what I love to do. And and I wasn't afraid, you know, whether it was five minutes or five hours to stay out there and to play it and to do it and, and to love every minute of it. So, you know, for me, you know, that's, you know, if, if people think somewhere down the road that a hey, Connors was pretty good, well, that's cool. That's all right. But if you say Connors was a great competitor, now you're talking. Mr. Connors. Uh, it has been a pleasure being inside of you today. <laughs> I'm going to make sure there's room for the next time. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. This has been incredible. What's your Twitter? Jimmy Connors. At Jimmy Connors. Yeah. Will you follow me? I, you're on there. Really? I'm going to put you on there right now. Jimmy Connors is going to follow me. I'm doing it because I'm, I'm going to tweet you and say, when am I coming back? You can come back anytime. This is a blast. We could talk about anything. We could talk about 80s music. Let's have Richard Marks on here. Oh, wouldn't that be something? Oh my God! Uh, that You're friends be... with Lionel Richie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friends uh, for for a long time. You know. Who's and... your most famous friend besides Lionel Richie? You. Oh, you hear that, guys? Uh, old Lex uh, Luthor, uh, old Baldy, old Baldy. <laughs> uh, come on, I've had a ball. You've, you've been so easy to talk to, and you it's too. Been, been so much fun. I love it. Thanks so much. Good being with you. Ah. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.